Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. I know most of you have been listening to the news or watching the news, and it's all about the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling, the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling. Well, it's Bloomberg, CNBC, probably now on the mainstream, like the NBC, CBS, Fox, etc. And this is the big concern. But according to a Bloomberg article that we're going to go over right now, when they resolve the debt ceiling, that's actually when the big problems start. Let's go right over there and check this out. And then I'll give you my opinion as to whether or not Bloomberg is right or wrong. Title, debt ceiling relief may be short as focus turns to T-bill deluge. Key talking points, U.S. Treasury needs to replenish replenish its shrunken cash pile. T-bill issuance could drive bank borrowing costs higher. And their theory here is this creates more strain on the banking system. We could have more regional banks collapse as a result. Bond traders look set to pivot from worrying about the U.S., uh, worrying the U.S. wouldn't raise its debt limit to fretting about what the increase means for money markets. The concern is that with a tentative deal pending, the Treasury will soon replenish its cash balance by selling more than a trillion dollars of the T-bills through the end of the third quarter. So again, the concern now is that when they get the deal, oh my gosh, the TGA is down at $30 billion. Janet Yellen has said that she wants to come in and pump that baby back up, let's say $500, $600 billion. Did I say trillion? I meant billion, if I did say trillion. But uh, anyway, Yellen has come out and said, I want to get that up to $500 billion, $600 billion. And in order to do this, well, she's not going to have that many tax receipts coming in. So she's going to have to sell T-bills. Most likely at the front of the curve, there's going to be more demand there. I doubt that she'd do 10-year, 30-year, uh, which is what these uh, experts <laughs> are going to tell you just a moment as we go down further throughout this article. But this is the gist, right? And when she puts all these treasuries on, trillion dollars of the treasuries out there in the market it's not going to be able to absorb this and so what's going to happen to the interest rates well they're going to skyrocket because the inverse relationship between the price and the interest rates and if these interest rates go up even further or even higher then this could be a big big problem for these banks that are having a hard time dealing with the interest rate hikes as is so here we go the deluge is likely to suck a significant amount of liquidity. So it's not just the fact that interest rates could go up on these T-bills that she is issuing. Therefore, price goes down on, and most likely if you see that across the curve, then the prices of what these banks are holding on to, as far as their cash equivalent assets, goes down. Again, big problem here, at least in their minds. <laughs> Uh, but they also talk about the liquidity. Okay, so if they're taking all of these bankers, let's see, I have no idea what is going on right now. Forgive me there, guys. I had some sort of tab that just was open and it had a mind of its own there. I, I, that was something that Josh did, some sort of sound effect that I have on my mixer. Okay, we got that problem solved. So the uh, the angle here, what they're concerned with, is all these bank reserves right now are on the bank's balance sheets. Okay, well, if the average Joe, Jane, let's say, if they're buying all of these T-bills or a hedge fund manager, then what's going to happen is they're going to decrease their account balance and those bank reserves are going to go from the bank's balance sheets down into the TGA. 
So if there's fewer bank reserves on banks' balance sheets, then they see this as a lack of liquidity at a time when liquidity is already tight due to the fact that all these regional banks are blowing up and credit liquidity is becoming tighter and tighter and tighter. So this just exacerbates the problem. This is their angle. This is their argument. And so what they show here is the TGA, and they say that it's all the way down to call it 30 billion treasury coffers or lowest since uh, September 2017. I would point out, though, that when you go back before 2017, or you go back before Trump, really, and especially Obama, and the TGA was usually around like 5, 10 billion. So the fact that it's even at 30 or 40 is historically very high, to be frank. But that's when we were running a lot uh, lower uh, trade deficits, excuse me, budget deficits. So they say this trillion dollar, okay, now they get into this, with the Treasury competing for bank cash. I wouldn't say it that way. Again, uh, Treasury's competing for bank reserves. They're competing for M2 deposits, but the net result is bank reserves. Lenders may see their own short-term funding rates rise. We talked about that earlier, uh, forcing them to boost the borrowing costs uh, they impose on businesses and households. So, uh, you know, the short-term funding costs, so that's deposits, right? So to hang on to these deposits to compete with these treasury bills that are going up in yield, then they have to pay depositors more, which means that their uh, cost of funding increases and they have to pass that cost on to the people that are taking loans from them, i.e. the borrowers. And that's when you could see mortgage rates, credit card rates, uh, auto loans go even higher than they already are. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what they're saying in uh, in macro geek language. So they talk about uh, the estimate this would have on economic activity. B of A did an analysis that's, uh, it would be just like the Fed increasing another 25 basis points. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. They're saying that they're already predicting the Fed to increase 25 basis points. So this on top of it would uh, be kind of a double whammy. Now they're talking about the, the cash stockpile, and this is interesting because I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but they go into reverse repo. So the cash stockpile, if you look at reverse repo in the Fed's balance sheet, uh, it's at $2.2 trillion, roughly. So now they're asking the question, and this is a good question. If Janet Yellen issues a trillion worth of T-bills, is that going to get soaked up by reverse repo? So all these money market funds have 2.2 trillion in there. So Janet Yellen issues a trillion at auction. Do they take that a trillion out of reverse repo to buy those bills? Would they prefer to have those bills? This is uh, basically an unknown, but at least they kind of present this as an uncertainty that should be on everyone's radar. And here I completely agree with them. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash 
Pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So just to summarize, important piece of the puzzle, Fedverse repo, dubbed RRP, which is where money market funds part cash. Currently, they're getting over 5%, currently over $2 trillion, like we said. If the treasury account increases, but reverse repos drop, then drain on bank reserves would be lower. So what they're saying is, let's just say that reverse repo doesn't suck up any of these new uh, T-bill issuance, right? So then what would happen is all of the bank reserves would come from the commercial banking system. And their argument is that would uh, really reduce liquidity at a time when these banks are having to pay more for their funding, i.e. deposits. And then that would put even more strain on the banking system as a whole. But what could soften the blow is if all these money market funds buy the treasuries, then what would happen is those bank reserves would go from reverse repo on the Fed's balance sheet. They would go to the TGA. Therefore, those bank reserves would not come from the commercial banking system and liquidity wouldn't be reduced. This is kind of how they complete the thought here. So the, the last or the next question is, do I agree with this? And although I think they make good points and at least they're talking about the plumbing for heaven's sake. So I've got to give them credit for that. But uh, I don't really agree with them. And here's why. Number one, because prior to the debt ceiling debacle, if you remember from watching my videos or watching Snyder, you know, I listen to Snyder all the time and he talks about this. He's far, uh, he knows more about this than I ever will. He talks about the fact that these T-bills one month, three month, as an example, were trading at 50, 60 basis points under reverse repo, which is supposed to be the way the Fed sets a floor on rates, at least short term rates. So that tells you that if an entity is willing to take a 50 basis point haircut by owning a T-bill, as opposed to just parking at risk-free at the Fed, then there is some serious, serious demand for those T-bills. Is there a trillion dollars worth of demand? I don't know. Nobody does. But there is a, a, a we we know definitively that there's a lot of demand that would easily suck up those T bills before the yield got to a point to where it was even at reverse repo, which according to the Fed is where they would like to see the baseline rates at the front end of the curve. That's number one. Number two, what this assumes is that somehow bank reserves are more liquid then the alternative, treasuries. Number three, it assumes that the banks themselves won't be buying these treasuries. So let me walk through this. Okay, so number one, if, a, uh, if there is a uh, treasury in the system, and it doesn't really matter too much whether it's in the on the asset, or excuse me, on the balance sheet of the average Joe and Jane or on the bank balance sheet, but let's just assume it's on the balance sheet of the average Joe and Jane. Okay, so now what's happening is those bank reserves are going down into the TGA, like we talked about. The deposits are going down, M2 money supply, because that's how the average Joe is paying for those treasuries to begin with. And then that treasury is going over to the asset side of the average Joe's balance sheet. So is there really more liquidity in the system or less liquidity, rather? Um, 
Maybe, but that depends on whether or not that treasury is less liquid than those dollars, right? Now you say, well, George, this is ridiculous. Of course, dollars are more liquid than a, a T-bill. You can't buy a Big Mac. You can't fill up your, your car with gas by paying in, um, in T-bills. Okay, right. But where's the average Joe getting the money to pay for these T-bills to begin with? Are they getting it from their checking account? Probably not. They're getting it from their savings account. You see? So let's now compare and contrast the liquidity of dollars that are just sitting in a savings account doing nothing. It's not like they're out there chasing stuff from Home Depot or rent or food or goods and services. It's just sitting in a savings account. Let's compare that liquidity to a treasury that is a cash equivalent, but getting a yield, a higher yield, that's doing effectively the exact same thing, the exact same thing. So is there really any less liquidity? And then you say, well, George, okay, that's from the standpoint of the average Joe and Jane, but what about the banking system? Now they don't have those bank reserves. Okay, fine, but they don't have, they have fewer liabilities as well. They have fewer deposits. And then you could say, well, uh, uh, okay, but what if they have to, you know, what if they have a deposit flight like we saw with Silicon Valley Bank? Okay, well, they've got treasuries for that. Oh, yeah, but so did Silicon Valley Bank. And they had to sell those treasuries at a loss and look what happened. Right, but was that a result of them having treasuries? Or was that simply a result of there being too much counterparty risk? You see where I'm going with this? Is that this is just a roundabout way to get to the point. Banks create liquidity. At the end of the day, they can create as much liquidity as they want. Why? Because they create dollars. And they can lend to other banks just to create dollars. You guys know that dollars are created through the process of lending. They're lent into existence. So a bank can lend dollars into existence to another bank just as easy as they can lend to you for a car loan. Or just as easy as they can lend to you for a home loan. They could have easily lent to Silicon Valley Bank. So it's not that there was a lack of liquidity. It's that there was too much counterparty risk, you see? So one argument that I would have with this article is instead of focusing on liquidity, that's simply a derivative of the underlying problem, which has much more of an impact, and that is perceived counterparty risk. Because if the perceived counterparty risk is very low, then there's going to be all the liquidity in the world, regardless of what the Fed's doing. If perceived counterparty risk is high, then liquidity is going to be very low to a certain point, regardless of what the Fed is doing with their balance sheet. You see, because what this article gets wrong, the main thing this article gets wrong, is it looks at the Fed as though it's the sun and the banks are the earth in the monetary solar system. And you guys know from watching my videos, it's the exact opposite. The Fed is not the sun. The commercial banks are. The Fed is the earth that revolves around those banks. So the uh, third thing is if the banks themselves go ahead and buy these T-bills. Okay, so now what they're doing is they're just trading those bank reserves for something that's a cash equivalent. And I would argue could provide even more liquidity. So let's not forget that these T-bills are used as collateral. Okay, collateral for what? Well, collateral is an example to go into repo and borrow more money from banks that are creating more liquidity by creating more dollars. You say, oh, well, George, they're limited by X, Y, and Z. No, they're not. Think about it, because if they create a loan, that's more cash that's in the system, that's a liability in their balance sheet, and that loan is the asset. So that, that can be done almost to infinity. You could say, oh, well, you got this regulation, that blah, 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 blah. 
listen, the banks have been getting around these regulations for the past 40 years. So are you going to be that naive to think that they're, they don't have a way around these regulations now if they see a profit opportunity? Of course. So if we're to assume that these T-bills are the best collateral needed or the best collateral to use in the global monetary system, and if we're to assume that Janet Yellen is going to issue a trillion dollars worth of these T-bills that have far more value than those bank reserves to the entities that actually provide liquidity, then I think there's a strong argument that by Janet Yellen issuing these T-bills, and even if those bank reserves do go down into the TGA, that you would be increasing liquidity. You wouldn't be decreasing liquidity. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. And if that video went over your head, <laughs> you might want to check out some of my whiteboard videos where I make it a little bit more clear. But since we're getting to the end of this debt ceiling debacle, or we're getting to the beginning of what's going to happen with the TJ, we're going to be going over this stuff a lot in the next month or so. So stay tuned. And if this went over your head, no problem. You're going to be a pro in no time flat. Just make sure that you're watching the rest of these videos on that topic. Having said that, we'll see you on the next video.